Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. All right, if everybody could get out their notebooks for today's message. That's for the Kids Cove kids. Congratulations. Uh, we don't normally bring notebooks if you're guests, or some of you do, or some of you have phones or tablets or whatever. But congratulations, Kids Cove graduates. Uh, it's good to have you with us from here on out. And we realize some of you were caught in a window where we didn't do this last year because of COVID. If, if that was you, um, protest to uh, Sean and Melissa McCracken and... I'm sure you can arrange something, at least a Meadows gift card or something. So, well, we, um, we're going to be in the book of 1 John, so if you have a Bible, uh, you can pull that up. Uh, before we get to 1 John, though, just want to give a, um, just a few thoughts about this um, new wave of COVID that we are in. So if you've been tracking with the church for about uh, the last year and a half, as we've kind of gone the ups and downs, um, we... we um, one of the thoughts we have as pastors is we see this as, obviously it's a safety issue, but it's also a pastoral issue, a guarding our hearts issue towards all the different perspectives that exist both in our world, in our country, and in um, Indiana County, our local church as well. So I just want to say a few things about that, and then if you have questions, you can talk to me or one of the other pastors as well. So we are obviously aware that, that numbers are um, slowly increasing in our area. Um, we are monitoring that. We monitor that every week very closely. We talk through that with um, the office staff, with the advisory board, with the other pastors. Um, and we, we realize there is a variety of perspectives, both in the room and those watching online. We, we know there are some of you that are watching online um, just out of concern and, and health concerns as well. So we're going to do everything we can to encourage you as well. But just, uh, just so we're all on the same page, just some things that we are doing right now that we've really done for quite some time. You may have noticed that this big section in the back, the rows are wider. Um, that's intentional for those of you who want more space while you're gathered here. We have a mask section that we will continue to have. Um, and then we have just the, the, the closer space seating up here. We have masks available out in the lobby, hand sanitizers. Um, and the way we communicate mostly to the church about COVID-related stuff is in our weekly newsletter that goes out every Friday. So if you don't get that right now, go to the Connect Center after church, and then you get all the information um, that's available, and just see how we're processing and, and thinking it through. And we, we um, I'm part of a pastor's group here in Indiana County, so as local pastors, we talk through uh, with the other churches uh, how we're navigating, thinking it through, um, but the biggest thing that we're most concerned about, we're certainly concerned about health, but we're, we're also concerned about how can we love one another, particularly when we have different perspectives on, um, on COVID and this, this current surge as well. So the Lord cares about our hearts, and, and so we want to just continue to be encouraging you to think through that category as well. Um, all of us have friends, family members, loved ones who probably have very different perspectives on the subject. And so we want to just walk humbly and, and navigate that. If you have questions, please come to us. Um, and let's just keep praying that the Lord would, would have mercy and this would subside. 
So with that in mind, um, let me pray and then we're going to jump into 1 John. Father, we just thank you that you gave us the Bible so that we could know you, that we could know your Son. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're the one who opens our eyes and gives us faith to believe. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us today from your word. We thank you for the clarity of this letter of 1 John. And we, we pray that we would be different as we um, look at your word. And we, we pray we would encounter you this morning. We ask this in your name. Amen. Well, today we're in 1 John. This is the second message. So if you weren't here for the first one, if you have time, go to our website or go to our YouTube channel. You can, can watch it online. That was kind of the overview of 1 John. Now we're going to slowly walk through um, each of the verses. And today's message is entitled, Walking in the Light. So I want to start with some really basic questions that, uh, that come up a lot. At least they, they come my way um, as a pastor. How, how do we know if someone is a Christian? How do you know somebody is a Christian? How do you know if you are a Christian? Um, if someone is a Christian or says they're a Christian, does it matter how they live? Are we to judge their profession of faith by, by how they live? What should we do with people that seem to be Christians for decades and then veer off? If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you, you've probably thought about these questions. Well, I'm not going to answer those questions right now. But 1 John will, I heard a boo back there. 1 John, my eyesight's bad, my hearing is amazing. I don't know what happened there. Um, but 1 John is going to address a lot of those questions. And we're going to see some of them today, and we're going to get into more of them as we go through the letter. And keep in mind, the, the author of 1 John is, he's like the OG of the apostles. He's the last remaining living apostle. He is writing at least 50 years after Jesus ascended, and Jesus was one of his best friends to walk the face of the earth. Jesus trusted John so much that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he asked John to take care of his mom, Mary, while since he died and then would ascend to heaven. So this is a dear friend. This is a man who was committed to proclaiming Jesus decade after decade. We don't know exactly how old he is, but he's anywhere from mid-70s to mid-90s. So he's up in years, and yet he is continually to faithfully proclaim the message of Christ. Yes. <laughs> That's okay. So let's, let's jump in. 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 5. And because John is older, I, he seems to have this great freedom to just kind of go for the jugular at times. So, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, 
and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and the word is not in us. So it's pretty dense. There's a lot in there. And I told you last week that um, reading the book of John is kind of like walking up a spiral staircase where he's going to talk about themes such as light, darkness, the person of Jesus, what it means to know God's love. But he's going to keep hitting those themes from different angles. So it's kind of like a, a spiral staircase in a lighthouse. As you walk around, you look out the window of the lighthouse, you see a tree, and you walk around, and you're going up, and you see the same tree. But when you're looking at the tree, you see it from a different vantage point. And that's what First John does. It's a, it's a very, uh, in some ways, a very poetic approach to these great subjects. And so we're going to keep looking at these things from different angles. And so the first thing we're going to look at is what does it mean that God is light? What, why does he say that? What's the significance of that? What, why does that matter? Look at verse 5 again. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So let's think about that for a moment. God's light represents his holiness, his goodness, his absolute purity and justice. The fact that God is light means that he is in his being is the absence of evil in thought, action, absence of of darkness in any sort of way, the absence of sinful motives. Complete and absolute purity. God is absolute light. And as, as He is light, He is the source of light. So He's not a reflection of someone else's light. He is actually the source of light. He, he is absolutely holy, absolutely righteous, absolutely good, absolutely pure in every way. And John wants us to know that. Now we have some more clues in the book of John about how this relates to Jesus. Look at John 1.4. This is in the book of John. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. He's talking about Jesus. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So, God is light. We know from the Bible, and we know from the book of John, that Jesus is God. Therefore, Jesus is light. Jesus is the light of the world. So, everything I just said about God the Father is true of God the Son. Completely pure. Completely holy. Completely good. Zero corruption in thought, word, or D. Think how unique that is from just scan any kind of news feed and you'll see the, the corruption of, of, of the human race over and over again. Jesus is completely different. Fully human, 
fully God. John tells us in his gospel, this as well. He said, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So he's announcing when Jesus would come. The true light which will give light to everyone. One of the things that John likes to use the phrase, he goes back and forth with light and life. So he is light. He is absolutely pure and righteous and holy. And he gives life. Life that we cannot find in and of ourselves. And Jesus understood this. Look at John 8. Again, Jesus spoke to them and he said this. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. See, if he wasn't pure, if he wasn't holy, if he wasn't fully God and perfect, that could be a weird statement. That could be an arrogant statement. If you walked in here and said, Hello, Saving Grace Church, I am the light of the world. No, you're not, right? No, you're not. But when Jesus says it, yes, you are. He is the light of the world. And when we encounter him, we are to be different. We are to change. So, so think of Jesus as the sun, like the sun in the sky, the source of light. And we are like the moon. We are to reflect the light. And so if we say we know on a personal level Jesus, who is the light of the world, that should that should do something. That should change us. That should make us different. Now that reflection might be dim at first, but over time it should be brighter and brighter and brighter. See, Jesus is the very essence of this radiant holiness. And He came to change us, to give us hope, to give us salvation, to transform us from the inside out. But see, to encounter light, true light, is to experience at least an immediate awareness of the fact that we are not like Jesus. We are not pure. We are not holy. We are not perfect. So if you look around the room right now, look, in, look at the walls and stuff. Look at the carpet by you. Everything looks clean, right? Everything looks good. Now if we went and, and stole the IUP stadium lights for the football field and brought them up here, or borrowed them for a little bit, and, and, and plugged them in, and then shine their stadium lights in this room. What we would notice is this room may not be quite as clean as we think it is right now. Why is that? Did the room get dirtier while we were installing the lights? No. The more, the brighter the light, the more you see your defects, your faults, and your flaws. And so to encounter Jesus initially is to be made aware that we're not like Jesus. We are different than Him. We are unclean. He is clean. We are imperfect. He is perfect. We are sinful. He is sinless. He is different than us. And yet, He came to rescue us. He came to make it possible for us to have a relationship with Him. And so John is going to get into that. But the foundation of this section in 1 John is this big idea that God is light. That the light of the world has 
come. The way we're going to, to, to get into this a little bit more is when John's writing this section of verses 5 through 10, he has different passages grouped together in different ways. And so we're going to start with the negative of what it, what it looks like to walk in the darkness, and then we're going to end with the positive. So we're going we're gonna to pull verses out to, to um, match the themes that are in 1 John. And we're going to do that by, by answering two questions. What are the signs that we're walking in darkness, if we are, and what are the signs that we're walking in the light? Truth be told, this, this one may hurt a little bit because um, God wants to get at something in us if what comes out of our mouth about Jesus doesn't match how we live. And so this may hurt a little bit, but one way to think about it, if it does hurt a little bit, if there's a sting to it, it really is a, a starting point for you to experience more joy, more peace, more freedom from the sins that ensnare and enslave. So we're going to start with the negative question. What are the signs that we are walking in darkness? Oftentimes there are signs, there are, there are symptoms, right? And John's going to get into these symptoms. Uh, one of the cars we have is a Nissan Pathfinder, and I, this week the, the warning light came on in the Nissan Pathfinder. And so if you're driving the car, a little triangle comes on with an exclamation point. Now that triangle with the exclamation point doesn't tell you what the problem is. It just tells you that there's a problem. And so you could put a piece of paper on the dash and just turn the radio up and, and ignore the problem. That's one option. Uh, two, you could hit the little computer screen and see if it gives you a little more information. Um, or three, if the car's not running, you can take it to a shop. So you got some options, but the point is that triangle with the exclamation point is saying there is a problem. It doesn't say what degree the problem is. It could be tire pressure. It could be a minimal thing. Tire pressure's low. That happens. It could be the embarrassing one where you didn't put the gas cap back in and you take the car to a shop and they're like, sir, you didn't screw that cap back in. Um, that's an embarrassing one. Or it could be the transmission is shot. It could be complete engine failure. The point is there is a warning sign and that warning sign is a call to exploration. So when we kind of go through the, the warning signs of walking in darkness, um, for some, it could just be a, just a reminder, like, okay, I'm drifting a bit away from the, the path of following Jesus. I need to, to come back. It's like putting air in the, in the tires. Not, not a big thing, but just a gentle course correction. For some, it could, be, it could be a little bit bigger. It could be a little more, oh, wow, I do have a problem here. For some of you, it could be, oh, no, there is catastrophic engine failure. I got a massive problem with the God who made me. No matter where you fall in this, this path of this, this question, this warning light, um, if you respond to Jesus, there is hope for you, even if you are in the worst case scenario. So let's look at verse 6. Under what are the signs of walking in darkness, got three signs. Sign number one of walking in darkness. Our actions contradict 
our profession. Our actions contradict our profession. Look at verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with Him, we have a relationship with God, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Our actions contradict our profession. So we say we love Jesus, we trust in Jesus, but we live opposite of that. That's, that's a major warning sign. And just a side note, that, that is often one of the biggest stumbling blocks for non-Christians when it comes to um, wanting to learn more about Jesus. That was one of my stumbling blocks before I trusted in Jesus. I thought all Christians were just hypocrites. And, and so we want to close that gap between what we say we believe and how that belief influences and changes our life. And with this verse, if we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. This walking in darkness is this ongoing, habitual um, practice. So it's, it's, it's not that you just suddenly did, like maybe something came out of your mouth, like, ooh, that wasn't good. No, this is an ongoing, habitual practice that is contrary to what you say you believe and who you live for and who you say your king truly is. And so if that's you, you could be in one of two categories. You could be truly a Christian who has trusted in Jesus, turned from your sins and received salvation, but have begun to go back to your old you and feed these sinful desires and passions. And as you've begun to feed them more, the grip has become stronger. And when you try to turn, you, you, you feel stuck. So if that is you, you, you want to do an honest evaluation. Lord, do I really, truly know you? And if I do, may I turn by the power of the Holy Spirit and come back. For some of you, though, it may be that you don't know the Lord. You know a lot of things that are in this book. Maybe you could take an exam about the Bible, the Old and New Testament, and do better than most of the people in this room or watching online. You know a lot of stuff. The problem is you've never submitted to Jesus as Lord and King and put your trust in Him. And so you're walking in darkness even though you know all the right things to say. So you have a, a big problem with the Lord who loves you dearly. And you need to come clean with the Lord. You need to ask Him to rescue and have mercy. Don't ignore the warning light. Sign number two, which is going to be similar to sign number three, of walking in darkness is an absolute denial of our sinful nature. Verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
So an absolute denial of the corruption of human nature, that we're, we're fallen, we're broken. The interesting thing about this one is, um, I've thought about this a lot, just from a, even from a, a non-Bible-believing, non-Christian perspective. So if you thought um, people are inherently good, well then why is every society <laughs> messed up and broken? Why is there crimes and sins and hurts in abundance no matter where you look? We, you don't even need the Bible to know that. You, you can see just by observation that humanity though beautiful and created in the image of God, has a fatal flaw. And the fatal flaw is our original nature. We are born sinful. We are born with a disposition to rebel. A disposition to turn away from the God who made us. A disposition to think of ourselves above everybody else. That is our natural inclination. If you don't believe me, next Sunday, volunteer in the two- and three-year-old room and take some toys away from some really cute little boys and little girls and watch what happens. We are not good people by nature. Now, some are much better than others, but compared to God who is light, compared to the one who is absolutely perfect, we are not. Jesus told a parable to kind of get this point home. This is in Luke 18. He also told a parable to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So there was a group that really thought they were just good people and they were proud and arrogant about it. He said two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. Tax collectors were despised. They, they were thought as betraying their, their, their fellow Jews and, and stealing money and really selling out to the Roman government. So you got the Pharisees, a religious leader, and you got the despised, wealthy tax collector. The Pharisee standing up, um, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. See, the purpose of the parable is confirming what John is saying. That the tax collector, he realized, oh no, I am broken. I am sinful. I am in desperate need of mercy. Where the person who thinks that they are inherently good and superior to those who struggle with all kinds of vices and sins, they're tempted to, one, trust in themselves, and two, put themselves way above others. But here's the thing. 
human race is on the same playing field when it comes to the human condition. We are all fallen and broken. That fallenness will express itself in many, many different ways. Some of those ways are criminal. Some of those ways we can see on the news. They're, they're murder and, and stealing and um, selling drugs. and you know, All the ones that you know, get, the, get the press. Others are enslavement to what people think about you. It's this controlling, sinful enslavement that only probably you know about. And it influences all kinds of things. Some of you, you're gripped by this anger that your, your fuse is so short. And it just snaps. Some of you are just gripped by fear. All those things are just different expressions of how our old nature, our original nature, expresses itself. But the point is, we all have it. And so that should drive all of us to put our faith in one who doesn't have it, Jesus Christ. The third sign is very similar to the second one, but it has a a subtle difference, and it's found in verse 10. If you're wondering why I'm skipping verses, we're going to circle back around for the ones that are talking about walking in light. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. So it's not just a denial of original sin that we're fallen and broken, but we're saying, like the guy in the parable, I'm not like them. I'm not like all those other people. I'm, I'm totally innocent. So I want you to picture yourself standing for Jesus, who is absolutely pure in every way, never sinned, completely holy, completely righteous, risen Christ, fully God, And I want you to imagine him examining your thoughts, words, deeds, actions of your entire life. As he's there, judge and king, can you honestly say, I have never done anything wrong. I am absolutely, 100%, completely innocent on all accounts. I can't say that just from like this morning. You can't either. You know, we, we have all kinds of, in, and I, I've been walking with the Lord for 20-some years, and the old nature still lives in there. And you, 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 you're tempted to think things or say things or, or do things. Now, there's a restraint because the Holy Spirit's in us, but the point is, if you are walking in darkness or you are walking in darkness, if you think you have done nothing wrong before the Lord who made you. See, part of the pathway to becoming free is really knowing this and owning this. Part of my experience of coming to faith in Christ was months of being made aware that I am sinful and in need of a Savior. And that primarily came from the conviction of the Holy Spirit and reading the Bible. And as I did, I thought, I am in deep, deep, deep trouble. But then I saw Jesus who came into this dark world to rescue.
So understanding and owning your rebellion before the Lord is foundational. It is absolutely foundational to becoming a Christian. Why would you trust in a Savior if you didn't think you needed one? And so this is the difference between religion and a genuine faith in Christ. So religion in its worst form is a bunch of rules and regulations. And so if you, if you adhere to it, you feel really good, and you, you might be tempted to look down on other people. If, you, if you're not meeting that perceived list, you feel very condemned. Genuine Christianity is, oh no, by nature we're all condemned. And Jesus rescued us. He saved us. He washed us. He cleansed us. We were all on the same playing field and we trusted in the one who came to rescue us and when that happens he changes us from the inside out and he calls us to do stuff he calls us to change he gives us his spirit to make us different but that call to change those the power to change and even the standard the things that we're called to do are not the reason we are accepted by God it's only because of Jesus, who is absolutely pure, holy, and righteous. Because when he died on the cross, he opened the way for all of us to know him. So if you are in darkness, if that light is on, my hope, my prayer is that before you go to sleep tonight, that you talk to the Lord. You, you do business with the Lord. See, there will be a day where we will all die and meet the Lord face to face. On that day, nobody but you will be there before the Lord. So at that moment, it doesn't matter what your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister or your best friend believe. It matters what you believe. Have you put all your hope in Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man? So respond to the warning light. So now on the positive side, what are the signs that we are living in his light? So you responded to Jesus, and now we're walking in light. We want, this is the desire, right? If you say you're a Christian, to really walk in the light. To walk in open and obedience to Jesus because he rescued you. Look at verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. See, walking in the light is it's like the floodlights from the stadium. Oh, wow, I, I don't just have those major outward problems. I got all kinds of problems. And Jesus himself will cleanse us from all those. See, this is what's unique. This is what's different between religion and a personal relationship with Jesus. Religion cannot give you the scrub down from the inside out. It cannot cleanse you on those deepest, darkest recesses of your heart and soul. Only Jesus can do that. And Jesus will do that over and over and over again as we walk in his light. The light of his word 
being in the presence of His Spirit and continually asking Him to give us grace so that we can seek Him and know Him more. And something happens when we walk in the light and we just have an honest assessment of ourselves and we share that honest assessment with friends who also are walking in the light. It, it does something for our relationship, our friendship. See, we, there's no secrets anymore if you're walking in the light. If we really believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior and has paid for every one of our sins, we can be free to talk about it with one another. So since we're friends, I'm going to talk about something that happened this, this week. So on Friday, I, I took off a half day. We went yard sailing, um, my wife Mary and I. And, you know, I'm, I'm okay with yard sailing. I'm not, it's not the most fun thing, but it, it can be fun, you know. And I'm a little bit of a pack rat, so I can want to buy all kinds of weird stuff. But I didn't do that. We bought some furniture. And so we, we get home, and I had to take two trips because it wouldn't all fit in the car. And, you know, I'm still doing okay. In, in my attitude, but, but then by the time we're putting in the, the furniture in my son's bedroom, um, Mary and I, just the way God made us, are very different. She is very detailed-oriented. I'm very not. She is not in a hurry. I'm often in a hurry. And so what went from like, oh, I'm doing a good thing here and helping, uh, my attitude just changed like abruptly and quickly because um, I wanted to get things done. Let's just, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care where it goes. Let's just, let's just get it going so we can go to the next thing. So I'm getting angry, and we've been married since 1999, so this is not the first time this has ever happened. So she gives me the look. She, she says something, and what the beauty of that was, it didn't turn into a major thing. Early in our marriage, it would turn into a major thing. I really felt the Lord's conviction would you please forgive me for getting angry? Would you please forgive me for craving to get this done so I can do something else? And that's walking in the light. Now, that's not a major thing. But if we pull weeds when they're little, they never grow to these big things. And that's how we as a church family should be. We should just be open and honest. I bet most of you have fought in the car if you have more than one person in the car, particularly if you're married with children, on your way uh, to church sometime in your life. I would bet money on that. Not that I bet, but if I was betting, I would bet money. See, we all have stuff. Some is big stuff, some is little stuff, but we all have stuff. Let's learn to walk in the light with one another and just be open and honest about it. See, the freedom of walking in the light is that we are loved and cared for by God himself as his children. And so we can just be free. Look at sign number two, walking in the light. If we walk in the light, we have a humble acknowledgement of our specific sins and keep short accounts with the Lord. little wordy. We have a humble acknowledgement of our specific sins and keep short accounts with the Lord. This is how John says it. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this is true on the front end when we first trust in Jesus. We own our sins. We turn from our sins. We, we repent and we trust in Jesus and he saves us and he forgives us. 
But this is also true for the entirety of our Christian lives. And this is really good news. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, one of the things we need to learn is to keep really short accounts with the Lord. Meaning you've sinned. Let's say you've rebelled in some way and you feel convicted by that. Own that. Confess that to the Lord. Confess it to a a trusted Christian friend. And then really believe that Jesus cleanses you. I think what Christians often do, you you rate the, the severity of what you did in your own mind, and then you put yourself on probation for a while. So what that often looks like is, I'll just pull away from church for a few weeks. I'll pull away from my Christian friends for a few weeks. And then when things feel okay internally, I'll come back in. That's not how God wants you to do it. Lord, forgive me. Help me to change. The reason I think it's helpful to bring other people into the struggle is because then you have accountability and encouragement and people that can pray for you and and encourage you to keep walking in the light, walking in God's holiness and pursuing personal holiness. See, the the idea of a Christian sinning and hiding is is in the Bible. It's exactly what Adam and Eve did. Their first sin, they they think they're going to just go and hide. (laughs) That's what we do. But because of Jesus, you don't have to do that. And as you keep responding, that grip of sin, that temptation to sin will lessen. It will weaken. You won't have to do the things that you've always felt like you couldn't stop doing. There will be a freedom and a power that only Jesus can make possible. And here's the thing for a Christian. When a Christian sins, God's going to relate to you as a son or daughter. He's not going to relate to you as a judge. Now that doesn't mean God doesn't care. As a father, he's going to discipline you. So if there are, depending on what you do, there's going to be correction. That correction may come in the form of consequences. That, that consequence may come in the form of relational strain. That, that consequence may be in the form of legal consequences, depending on, on what it is. But he will treat you as a beloved daughter or a beloved son. It would be unloving for him to just let you go if you are his son or daughter. Here's something he will not do, though. He will not kick you out of the family. If you are truly in the family, you're going to be in the family. So, my last name is Ryer. I have three children. They're all great kids. But let's say they they did something wild and crazy and they had to be kicked out and there had to be consequences and that happens that happens um, for many people and that can be a loving expression of a, a hard decision from a mom or dad who loved their adult or older teen children but what will never happen is we'll take our last name off of them we're not going to say you know what because you you did it now you're now a smith 
You're no longer a Ryer. We're going to put you in a big generic last name. You're a Smith. And I know we have Smiths here. We're glad you're here. But we're not going to do that. God is not going to do it. He's going to treat you as a son or daughter. But the most miserable Christians are those who try to walk in the darkness and walk in the light at the same time. It's, it, it's impossible. And it's a recipe for, for misery. And Jesus wants you to be free. And part of that is just learn to keep short accounts with the Lord. Go to him regularly. Go to him often. And the blood of Jesus will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Let's have the band come up. We're going to wrap it up here. And as they come up, whether you feel like that warning light came on and it's just a, oh Lord, help me just to keep pursuing you and, and maybe bringing in other Christian friends. Or maybe you feel like, oh no, this is the day that the Lord really put his finger on something big that I, I want to change. We want to pray for you. We have a prayer team that will be up here after we sing this final song. But as we're singing this final song, I want you to consider the words, consider how much Jesus has done for you. And may that be the motivation for you to want to continue to walk in the light. So let's stand. I'm going to pray. And then Aiden's going to lead us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that there is real freedom in knowing you and living for you. And Lord, thank you that you arrange days like this where life as we know it can be radically changed for the good in a moment, in a meeting, in a single message. And I, I pray you would do that. And I pray there would be a, just a turning point in the lives of many. And we, we love you. And we give you all the praise and we ask this in your name. Amen. <laughs>